TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's take a look back into the archives of Atlanta soccer history with Atlanta Soccer Flashback. 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 With Jason Longshore on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome in to the first edition of Atlanta Soccer Flashback here on 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey app, and on the Off the Woodwork podcast. I'm Jason Longshore, and this show will take a look back each and every week at the rich history of soccer in Atlanta, whether we're talking youth, college, high school, professional, semi-professional, indoor, outdoor, men's, women's, All of the above, because all of it has led Atlanta to where it is. And we're in a very historic time period for soccer in Atlanta with Copa America coming to Atlanta this year for the first time. The She Believes Cup coming to Atlanta this year for the first time. The Argentine national team, a current World Cup champion coming to Atlanta for the first time. The World Cup coming in a couple of years. Maybe more big events coming in the next couple of years. The U.S. Soccer Federation is launching its first ever headquarters, a national training center here in Atlanta. That construction is expected to start here in 2024. So many different things going on, but the reason why all those things are happening is what's happened in the past. And this show, each and every week, we'll take a look back at some of those big moments that happened in that week previous, going back through the calendars, going back through the archives. And this first episode is going to take a look back at the first week of the year. And it's kind of a weird time because outdoor soccer not happening much right now. Indoor soccer was, and we'll get into some indoor soccer over the Atlanta soccer flashback run. But this one is going to go back to a moment off the field that was very, very important because it kind of signified the first time that Atlanta was becoming a player on the international soccer stage. We're going to go back to January 4th, 1991, when Atlanta submitted its bid to be a World Cup host city for the 1994 World Cup. Atlanta World Soccer was the organization that submitted the bid. John Pendergast was the vice president of the organization. He was the one in charge of submitting the bid. Grant Field, now Bobby Dodd Stadium, was the stadium submitted for the bid. All of that kind of signifies where Atlanta sports was in 1991. 
what the soccer scene was like because it was in a weird place in, in 1991. All of those things led to that moment in time. And that moment in time is important. You know, it took a couple of cracks for Atlanta trying to become a World Cup city to actually get selected. There was Atlanta being part of the U.S. bid for the 2018 or 22 World Cup. So we know how that went. Those ended up in Russia and Qatar, and FIFA ended up overhauling how they selected World Cup locations pretty soon afterwards and the u.s mexico and canada ended up earning the right to host the 2026 world cup and following on from that atlanta was selected as a world cup city so january 4th 1991 a very important date but how did we get there and then what happened after that because as we know atlanta did not host games in the 1994 world cup Let's go back to July of 1988. That's when the U.S. was announced as the host of the 1994 World Cup over Brazil and Morocco. And it happened on July 4th, which was a coincidence. This was not the plan from FIFA. They honestly didn't expect the U.S. to earn the right to host this tournament. U.S. soccer at the time was a very different organization than it is today, and this World Cup is really what led to a lot of the changes, becoming a primarily amateur-driven organization to a thriving sports business, and it took a while to get to the thriving part. But again, the World Cup in 94 was a big part of that. So when the bid was submitted and the U.S. was selected, there were a list of preliminary cities. These were not locked into place in 1988. And Atlanta was not included on that preliminary list. Uh, a couple days later, Billy Payne, who was at that time the chairman of the Georgia Amateur Athletic Foundation, which had successfully lobbied for Atlanta to become the U.S. nominee for the 1996 Olympics. It had not been awarded as of yet in the summer of 88, but things were moving. Billy Payne came out and said a couple days after the U.S. won the right to host the 1994 World Cup that Atlanta should be part of that bid. He said, because Coca-Cola is the major sponsor of bringing the event to the United States, I think it would be logical to bring one of the preliminary rounds to Atlanta. At that time, the current format had 12 U.S. cities chosen to host games in the tournament. You had to have a stadium for with uh, for the final with 60,000 as the minimum capacity. You needed all the hotel space, transportation, media facilities, all of those things, and those were not going to be an issue for Atlanta. The four sites in the southeast on that preliminary report to FIFA in 1988 were two stadiums in Miami, the Orange Bowl and Joe Robbie Stadium, the Florida Citrus Bowl in Orlando, and Tampa Stadium. Joe Robbie himself was the president of the 1994 World Cup Founders Club, a group of 94 people who contributed at least $5,000 in that lobbying effort to bring the tournament to the United States. The Rose Bowl declared that it wanted to host semifinals and final other stadiums on the list just to give you a sense of where things were in the summer of 88 and what Atlanta was competing with. RFK Stadium, Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland, Palmer Stadium at Princeton, both Franklin Field and JFK Stadium in Philadelphia, Soldier Field in Chicago, Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, the Minnesota Sports Complex in Blaine, Minnesota, the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, the Silver Bowl in Las Vegas, LA Memorial Coliseum, Parker Stadium in Corvallis, Oregon, and Husky Stadium in Seattle. 
those were on that preliminary list that was submitted to FIFA along with the four sites in Florida. So Billy Payne said, look, I think there's an opportunity here for Atlanta. We'll make a strong argument. And the U.S. Soccer Federation knows that we want in the door. Now, the Georgia Dome was proposed at this point. And Payne said that the Georgia Dome floor would be too narrow to fit a regulation soccer field in. Homer Rice was the athletic director at Georgia Tech at the time. He said that he had talked already about the Olympic planning. He had talked about the artificial turf situation because Grant Field at this time was artificial turf. It was the old school AstroTurf. Uh, Homer Rice said that they might have a grass field by 1994, and he said it'd be easy to bring in grass temporarily if they did not. He said that Georgia Tech would be interested in hosting one or more World Cup games. He said if it's good for the city, we're for it. We'll help the Atlanta group in any way that we can. So, at that time, there were 27,000-plus youth registered with the Georgia State Soccer Association and 1,700 adults. There really wasn't a whole lot of traction after that. There wasn't a whole lot of traction after that with U.S. soccer, and that was one of the things that was becoming a growing frustration in the lead-up to the 1990 World Cup in Italy from FIFA. And FIFA ended up really getting involved in U.S. soccer politics and getting Alan Rothenberg put in place as the president. Now, he won the election, but FIFA lobbied hard for him, and there were lots of deals and rumored deals and all kinds of innuendo going on around this time. But U.S. soccer really didn't do much between 1988 and 1990. Now... The World Cup USA organizing committee started to come together, and Dick Cecil, who was here in Atlanta, had been involved in both versions of the Atlanta Chiefs. He was a committee member with the organization, and he suggested that Atlanta should become a candidate in April of 1990. In May of 1990, World Cup officials visited Atlanta. They went to a briefing at Georgia Tech. They visited the stadium. They were not big fans of that visit, and I've had a chance to to talk to Dick Cecil before he passed away about that visit. And he said it was a little bit of a shock to the system for the FIFA folks to see the artificial turf field, to see Georgia Tech football players walking across the field. I think it was still going uh, with spring practice at that time. And really not much of a red carpet laid out to try to attract the World Cup and FIFA to Atlanta. They had just come from Miami where there had been a red carpet laid out and they had seen facilities like the Orange Bowl and Joe Robbie, which was the Joe Robbie Stadium, which was the uh, kind of the crown jewel of American professional sports stadiums at that time and had a lot of similarities to the San Siro in Milan, which was going to be a big part of the 1990 World Cup. So FIFA, not all that happy with their time in Atlanta in May of 1990. Now, As things started to progress leading up to the bid being officially submitted, other stadiums became involved. The Louisiana Superdome became involved in bidding for World Cup games when FIFA told U.S. Soccer that, yes, we will take a domed stadium for this. Uh, The Silverdome is where games ended up, but the Superdome was very interested in getting games. Now, in the Associated Press article about the Louisiana Superdome, it was mentioned about the Georgia Dome and... Georgia Dome would not be part of the bid. It was reiterated that the field would not be big enough. It's a big miss that the Georgia Dome, the floor at that time, was not going to be made wide enough for World Cup games because 
that could have been a game changer for the 1994 World Cup coming to Atlanta. Now, in September of 1990, Atlanta was selected as the host of the 1996 Olympics, and that changed everything in regards to the 1994 World Cup. Whether we're talking Atlanta or not, it became a big shadow that Atlanta had to deal with, that the United States had to deal with, that the World Cup organizing committee had to deal with. All of that led to some of the decisions that came down the line later. We'll talk about those after a quick break. This is the Atlanta Soccer Flashback on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T Mobile. You can count on T Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Back to more Atlanta Soccer Flashback with Jason Longshore on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back. Atlanta Soccer Flashback on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Going back in time to 1991, January 4th to be exact, when Atlanta submitted its bid to be a World Cup USA 1994 host city. Now we know that was an unsuccessful bid. We'll talk a little bit about why and a little bit about what Atlanta learned from that unsuccessful bid that led to success in becoming a World Cup USA and Canada and Mexico 2026 host city. So after the bid was submitted, Atlanta had already been selected as the host of the 1996 Olympics. And that was starting to cast a pretty big shadow on the potential for the World Cup to come to town. There was also a little bit of a a hangover in a way of all of the interest in the Olympics. It was hard to generate interest in the World Cup. I get it. It was a, a very different kind of situation to major, major events, but you only had so much bandwidth in the city. Now, the final deadline for bids to be part of the 1994 World Cup was in May. 27 bids came in before the deadline. Atlanta was considered to be on the short list of 17, but World Cup USA 1994 got a few more bids than they expected, some different kinds of bids, and things evolved over the process to get to the selection of the final cities. Now, in May of 1991, a presentation was made to the World Cup USA committee in Los Angeles by Atlanta Mayor Maynard Jackson by the Atlanta World Cup co-chairman Lewis Holland, Brian Dyson, Georgia Tech president Pat, Pat Christine, executive committee man Dennis Burkholz, and Atlanta Sports Council executive director Robert Dale Morgan. 
Officials from FIFA visited Bobby Dodd Stadium and the Georgia World Congress Center because Atlanta also bid to be the host of the Media Center for World Cup USA 1994. So those processes played out, and a priority list of 19 cities was selected by World Cup USA 1994 in October of 91, and Atlanta made that cut. They got to the final 19. The cities that were eliminated were Charlotte, Honolulu, Knoxville, yep, Neyland Stadium, Phoenix, Corvallis, Oregon, and New York City because the New York City bid at that time was located at the Aqueduct Racetrack. They were going to play World Cup games in the infield of a horse racing track. Yeah, that's where soccer was in 1991 in the United States. Now, in November of 91, Atlanta was pretty hopeful of getting World Cup games. There had been lobbying, inspection tours between October and November. Eight to 12 cities were expected to get chosen. Atlanta was really confident. They were looking for first-round games, second-round games, and the International Media Center. Now, FIFA again visited Bobby Dodd, and they were taken aback, according to Dennis Burkles, the coordinator of the Atlanta bid, by the size of the stadium. It was the smallest of the 19 that were still in the running. Now, Georgia Tech did talk about expanding it to try to placate FIFA a, a little bit in this whole process. FIFA was impressed by the auxiliary facilities, the Georgia World Congress Center. The selling points for Atlanta at this point were hosting the 1994 Super Bowl, obviously the 1996 Olympics, and Georgia Tech promised at this point, if the World Cup came to Atlanta, that they would start a varsity soccer program. That was another element that was in play here. Would have been very interesting, right? In January, I think reality started to set in a bit. World Cup USA organizing committee went through a ton of different changing of the guard. FIFA started to take a more active role. And again, FIFA wasn't really enjoying their times to visit Atlanta at this stage. They were also very worried about the Olympics overshadowing the World Cup. This is a constant battle between FIFA and the IOC. The media center and the games were projected to fill up 400,000 hotel room nights between April and July of 94. They expected to bring $100 million to the city with all of this. The hotel community, obviously very excited. Um, obviously, all the hotels were involved in this whole process. They had tentatively agreed to pay the rent for the office space for the broadcast center by setting aside $5 of every World Cup room night booked. So... Things are getting a little more desperate at this stage. Um, Maria Supporter wrote in February of 92 that Joel Havelange, who was the president of FIFA, he had been an IOC member since 1963, he had actually lobbied the IOC to award the 96 Olympics somebody else rather than Atlanta because he didn't want the Olympics in the United States to overshadow the World Cup in the United States, which had already been awarded in July of 88. It also heard a little bit that American Airlines was a World Cup airline sponsor, not Delta. Coca-Cola was a little gun-shy as well about lobbying because, remember, Coca-Cola had been really criticized for their hard lobbying of getting the Olympics. There was some negativity about that, and Coca-Cola was reluctant, even though they were a World Cup sponsor, 
to push hard for Atlanta in this situation. So you had lots of politics going on. Billy Payne was running the Olympics at this point, so there was lots of competition as well. Billy Payne agreed to make a deal with the Atlanta Bid Committee that they would use Bobby Dodd Stadium if Bobby Dodd made the changes they needed for the 1994 World Cup, that the Olympic soccer games would be played at Bobby Dodd. That was supposedly going to be a big move. The IOC was going to have to approve that because the stadium is literally in the middle of the Olympic Village, which was Georgia Tech at the time. FIFA wanted all of those Olympic games to be played in Atlanta for greater legitimacy, greater exposure. Again, it's that push-pull between the Olympics and FIFA and, and soccer in the Olympics. So Atlanta kept pushing to try to increase its opportunities here, but by March, things weren't looking good. Some of the conversation from the Atlanta Executive Committee was that the, the process started late said the city has an Olympic-sized hangover. They weren't as aggressive as Dallas as they needed to be. Also, originally it had looked like 12 U.S. cities were going to host World Cup games in 1994. It actually came all the way down to nine, and Atlanta was not chosen. Scott Latelier, who was the managing director of World Cup USA 1994, he said that Bobby Dodd Stadium was too small, mentioned the Georgia Dome not even being a possibility, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium wouldn't be available in 1994 summer because of the Braves, and the Olympic Stadium wasn't going to be ready in time. They weren't going to be able to have it up, let alone like have a, a soccer pitch in the middle of it. Atlanta said that they would put their hands up and, and be ready to, to jump in if any of the nine cities couldn't do it, but Lewis Holland said when all was said and done that the Olympics was the biggest factor. The fear of being overshadowed by the Olympics just couldn't be overcome. So what did Atlanta learn and what did this whole process do for soccer in Atlanta? I think one, it was a little bit of a wake-up call in that while Atlanta had really put its foot down as a major player when it came to sports in the United States and in the world with getting the Olympics, soccer was a little bit different proposition entirely. Facilities, I think this was a little bit of a wake-up call when it comes to facilities. Go back to the, the whole idea about the Georgia Dome not being a viable option. FIFA was going to have an indoor stadium for World Cup 90, 1994. They'd agreed to do that. They were kind of excited about the newness and the idea and, and turning heads with that. It would have been down between the Superdome, the Silver Dome, and the Georgia Dome to get that. The Georgia Dome would have been the newest facility. If, if the footprint had been laid out properly for them to host games, that would have dramatically changed the Atlanta bid. Those mistakes were not made when it came to Mercedes-Benz Stadium and all of the planning for that. I think the idea about the lobbying and just getting a late start to it and not pushing as hard and, and not maybe being as in your face in lobbying like they did for the Olympics, that hurt the World Cup 1994 possibilities and Atlanta has not made those mistakes when it's chased events since. Having the World Cup in 1994 could have been a game changer for soccer in Atlanta. I, I, I like where we're at, obviously, but could it have accelerated the process? Maybe, perhaps, but I think the lessons that were learned were the more important thing here. Would have been really interesting to see World Cup games at the Georgia Dome or even at Bobby Dodd at that time. Would have been great to have seen Georgia Tech start a, a varsity soccer program as part of all this and, and having the Olympic soccer games in Atlanta potentially 
although the Olympic Village area would have been kind of difficult to deal with. They could have wanted to get it done. Maybe they would have. But there's lots of things that would have been intriguing if they had gotten done with this. But ultimately, I think the lessons learned were the most important element of this. It was January 4th, 1991 that Atlanta submitted its first ever bid to host World Cup matches. It was unsuccessful, and we know that next time around, Atlanta did not make the same mistakes. And World Cup 2026 is coming to Atlanta and Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and all of us here cannot wait for that to happen. But it's going to be a big year in 2024 with Copa America, with Atlanta United season just around the corner, with the She Believes Cup coming to town. Lots of big events. We're going to be at the forefront of all of them here at 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app and Atlanta Soccer tonight, which you can catch every Tuesday night at 10 o'clock and every week Atlanta Soccer Flashback. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm Jason Longshore signing off. We will see you next time on Atlanta Soccer Flashback. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.